Welcome to the Pen and the Yad. This week's Parsha is Vayikra. Rabbi Michael Siegel from Ancheyamit Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig and talks about Close to You. Before the carpenters sang the song, there was the portion of Leviticus. Remember the carpenters? Remember the singing group? Of course. Close they, to you. Seventies. Those were my. Those, were my, those, my, those my were your years, years right? Prime yeah. pop music fandom. Well, yeah, Saturday Night Fever. But the carpenters were also. They sang that song "Close to You" and begin the book of Vayikra of Leviticus. That would be the theme. You know, you could do the carpenters in the background. Why do birds suddenly appear? <laughs> right. Every time you're near. I think we're going to have to sing. I, I think we have to stop. But um, <laughs> the book of Vayikra is all about sacrifices. And as we will be talking about in the weeks to come, the book goes into excruciating detail about every aspect of the sacrificial order, from the type of animals you can bring as a sacrifice, to how they're sacrificed, to what is said, to what the high priest is wearing, and even how they're going to make use of the blood. So nothing is left to imagination. And yet, I want to suggest to you that this is a book about intimacy with God. Have you ever felt a closeness with God? Have you ever felt like you have a relationship with God? I think, I think the answer is going to be no, to be honest. I, I've felt intellectually that I have a relationship with God, but I don't know that I've ever felt it in an intimate way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you're talking about, the, um, the burning of the uh, sacrifices, that brings to mind the senses and the intimacy that comes with something tangible. And I've never experienced that with God. And, you know, even in synagogue, it's, you know, um, we're, we're only really using one or two senses there, not making use of the full array. I wasn't, I wasn't aware that sleeping was a sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think you really hit the nail on the head. Uh, the sacrificial order is really um, a sensory experience. You taste the sacrifice. You smell the sacrifice. You touch the sacrifice. You can hear the priest talking. You can hear the crackling of the fire, right? All of it is you are experiencing that moment of relationship. And I hasten to add that, how does the Bible begin? The, one of the first questions that is asked in the Bible is, Ayeka, where are you? God says to Adam. I think God knows where Adam and Eve are located in the Garden of Eden. The question is, where are they existentially? In a relationship, you can sometimes feel like you have to ask the other person, where are you? Even though they're sitting right next to you. That's right. And, and when you start, with, I remember, you know, certainly when you're young and in love the first time with somebody, you're constantly freaking out over what, they, what are they thinking, right? Yeah. Because you don't know where they are. You don't know them well enough yet to know whether you're connected or not. So you're always, you know, I can remember this uh, when we were, first, when my wife and I were first married, you know, laying in bed saying, what are you thinking about, right? Because you just felt like you needed to, to maintain, you needed to be certain of that connection, right? If you were at all doubtful of it, if you were insecure about it, it, you felt lost. And I think in our attempts to to have a connection with God, often, while speaking for myself, I often feel like I'm not sure where I am or where, where God is. And so that's a wonderful framework for understanding what Jewish prayer is. Jewish prayer is really a way of connecting. It's one way of connecting. Mitzvot is another way of connecting, of being conscious of this relationship. Shabbat becomes an opportunity to sit back and visit, not only with family, but with that. These are not ways that we normally talk about that relationship with God. And as you said at the beginning, and I, I appreciate what you said, and I, I would suggest that most, most Jews, if they really wanted to 
sit down and have a conversation about it, would probably say, you know, I my relationship with the God is, you know, I won't bother you if you won't bother me. <laughs> That's about as much of a relationship I want to have. But this notion of having a, a thoughtful, engaging, meaningful, fulfilling spiritual relationship is not part of that. Did you know that the word for sacrifice, and it's interesting, when you hear the word sacrifice, what do you think of? Giving something up. Giving something up. Um, or the, Some, uh, or the bunt in baseball, <laughs> which is usually a bad move. Uh, you know, I don't want to give away an out. It, right, but it but you, it calls on you to give something up that you, you you're like. Okay, let's go with this. Instead of going to the plate and being able to swing away, you're giving that up in order to sacrifice. You know, take one for the team. Right, right. get called out, but you can move the batter forward and all the rest. In Hebrew, the word for that we use for sacrifice is korbanot. Korbanot, which comes from the Hebrew word karov, which means to be close. Krovim in Hebrew are relatives, hmm. right? So the sacrifice then, by definition, is what's supposed, what, what is it that makes you feel close to God? So bringing something that's valuable to you, something that you care about and giving it as a gift to God, or being in pain about something, maybe feeling guilty about something and saying, I want to rectify this relationship. I'm coming to you to confess, but I'm also going to acknowledge this in a tangible way. And I'm going to do it publicly, right? right. These are all, by the way, not only ways of building a relationship with God, but building a relationship with another person. Mm -hmm. How do we engage them? A, a um, Thanksgiving offering. How, how often do we express our gratitude with a, with a loved one or a friend, a husband, a wife, child, right? All of this is built in to Jewish life. So maybe we're missing something by cutting out the sacrifice. In other religions, there are, there's incense, there's tasting involved, right? You, you, you take the, the sacraments, the sacraments in the, in the, in the Catholic service, right? So, and when, as a writer, I always tell people, you need to have the senses on every page. If you want to convince somebody they're in the real world, if you want to somebody believe when they're reading this book that they are experiencing what your characters are experiencing. You need to check that there's all five senses on every page. So, right. And, and, and so we're not doing that maybe. Well, but wait, but, but let's stay with that for a minute because the most effective writers are writers that engage their listener in what they're writing about. So the senses are me connecting to the words in a sense that it becomes part of me. That's right. Right. Because words so, on a page are, are, are neutral. They're, they're, they mean nothing unless you Im imbue them with the spirit of something that's alive. All right. Well, brace yourself. But if you can take <laughs> that idea and, uh, and then apply it to prayer, that's exactly the same thing. Are they just words on a page that I'm supposed to mindlessly just recite over and over again? Or how do I, how do I engage them in a way that they feel like makes me feel like I'm creating holy space in holy time and these are holy words but that they're part of me. Well, that's the hard part. And it's so easy just to read them and not do the work to, to engage more deeply with them. And I guess um, you're going to put it back on me and say, it's not the, the problem isn't the absence of the sacrifice. The problem isn't that we're not giving you something to, to, to eat that tastes like, uh, like a sacrifice. Uh, that we're not engaging your senses more literally, but that I have to somehow find a way as I read these words to engage. I think I think that that's true to a certain extent, but I also I would suggest to you that we spend far too much time in our society think asking whether or not we believe in God. 
That is such a that is such an un-Jewish question. Now, God has given us reason to be angry, but we don't write off God in that in that way. And what I've taken to doing is I'll often say to people, instead of saying, Well, do you believe in God at a significant moment in their lives, I'll ask them, What's your relationship with God? And that's a much more interesting question because I think the first of all I think it's disarming. Mm-hmm. Right, that because it, it it deprives you of the kind of Holocaust, you know, which is the one size fits all. I don't want to talk about this anymore. So, who can believe in God after the Holocaust? Right, Conversation right. over. Right, it eliminates the option of a yes or no answer. <laughs> okay. Too. Oh, I'm. I, forgive me for even asking the question. I'm so sorry. No, I think this is much different than that. That you ask what a person's relationship with God is. Well, I got to say that your relationship with God changes. What's your relationship with God when you are, if you're blessed with a child? That moment when you are part of a miracle. What's your relationship with God when you're standing in some remarkable place like the Grand Canyon? What's your relationship with God when you suffer a painful loss or you learn that that you or a loved one are ill? That relationship is multifaceted. But if you, if you have a relationship, then you can reconnect. You can argue, you can scream, but you can engage. I think that's part of the beauty of the sacrifices is because it was so visceral. It was so tactile, right? You know, you can imagine what it was like to stand in the courtyard of the temple and have the priest lay out this animal that you can smell the, the fire, the, the, the crowd. Everything is happening around you. It would be really hard to disengage, it'd be hard to be bored in the moment. And say, "Well, God, you know, what, what's my shopping list? I, you know, when's the service going to? When, when are they going to do a lane? Right? right. I don't think anybody was thinking that in that moment. And the other piece that I think is so hard for us is when Jews went to the temple or to the the Mishkan, as they're talking about in the Torah reading, they believed that they were going to God's throne room that God was physically present. And that's a very, you know, that's not something that we really think about. Yeah, and it goes back to what you said about the meaning of the word, coming close. So then how do we, on a daily basis, try to come closer to God? You know, you began by asking me if I ever felt like I had an, you know, an intimate experience with God, that I'd ever come close to God. It sounds like what you're saying is that it can be, you can do that every day. You can try to get closer by engaging. Well, yeah, if you ask me, then I would say the first step is to engage in moments of praise. I have never met anyone that has found God in a philosophy seminar. I just haven't. It's just not part of what I know or what, what I've ever seen. I think spirituality begins with gratitude. When you take a moment and just breathe for a minute and say, what a blessing it is to be alive. What a blessing it is to be able to look at my children growing up. What a blessing it is to have someone, a partner in life. What a, how special it is to have a friend. How special it is to be able to drive on Lakeshore Drive and just see nature or whole myriad of things. The whole idea of reciting a blessing is not because God needs to hear you recite the blessing, but but you but it engages you. It engages you in something higher. The enemy of prayer is apathy. 
Yeah. And I like the positivity of that. I like the idea that it's not something you have to do because you're supposed to do it or you only do it when you need something or when you're struggling for grasping for, for help, but to, um, but to do it all the time with the things that you appreciate, such as, you know, conversations like this. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with, um, people who are quite ill. And one of the things that I suggest to people to do, and it's not something I invented, but something I do apply, is I ask people to begin to keep a book of blessings. What was my blessing today? Now, again, think about who you're talking to. You're talking about someone who just, the ceiling just caved in on them. They're finding out that they have a serious illness. But you have to help people understand that they're not their illness. They're a person. Unless you pause for a minute and say, my blessing today was that it was a beautiful day that I could see out my window. My blessing today was I heard from my grandchild who called me or came in. My blessing today was one of the nurses was kind to me. My blessing today was I was able to stand up and get out of bed. And then what I ask people to do is say, okay, that's your blessing. And at the end of the day, I want you to say it as a blessing. Praise are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who has allowed me to hear the voice of my grandchild. That moment of gratitude is what connects us to something beyond us. There's something good beyond the moment. There's goodness. Life is worth living. Life is good. And I guess I just want to suggest to you that if you're looking for a place to start to engage that relationship, that's a good place to do. Because then you're in conversation, and the conversation leads to a deeper relationship. Yeah, and it's simple, and it's positive, and and, and we've all got it right in front of us. So whether or not we have Corbano, we can still be close. Thanks, Jonathan.